I'm going to ask that we flip right to the Revelation 22 past met, uh, verses. I'm going to just use that as our uh, operative verse this morning. I'll be using several verses from familiar verses from Scripture that um, will help us in understanding. The title of this message is The Day Star Has Appeared. It wasn't until a couple of years ago that it suddenly dawned on me not to... Ah, that's a bad occurred to me that, uh, that this day star image has been woven throughout all of Scripture. And the hope of the new day that God has promised, the day of God's judgment and wrath, but also the day of his mercy, has also been woven throughout in the day star image. So we'd like to talk about that this morning. Revelation 22, verse 16 says simply this, I, Jesus have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Day star. Question for us this morning. What does the Christmas story have to do with our stories? What does it have to do with our future? I believe the simplest way that God could describe a sense of hopelessness in our lives is to use the image, the metaphor of darkness, nighttime, deep darkness, gloom, when hope is almost vanished. Isaiah foretold it 700 years before Jesus' birth. You know the verse well. Isaiah 11 verse says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. It was about 300 years after Isaiah that the prophet Malachi spoke these words given to him by God, Surely the day is coming, he said. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And then for 400 years after Malachi, nothing. Not a word from God. Not a word about the promise, only silence and darkness. We understand the metaphor of darkness well ourselves. Most of us have had the feeling of having experienced the lights being turned off, maybe in the great mammoth cave, when the guide just says, now we're going to show you what darkness is like, and flips the light switch off, and you realize you can't see even your hand in front of your face. Or maybe in a power outage in the nighttime when all the lights go out and you can't find your way among the furniture in your living room and you're afraid that you've lost your direction completely. There's a sense of paralysis that comes with deep darkness like that. That's the image that is described in the Bible throughout the Old Testament. And we say to ourselves, if only I had just a flicker of light, even a, a light that had just a small amount of battery life in it that we could find our way around a bit. A deep darkness with no light. That's the perfect symbol of living in hopelessness. 
But it was God, after all, who had assured people living in darkness that there was hope, even though they, before they saw the light, God had said to them there would be a light breaking forth, a promise, hope for the world. However, for those who waited for this long period of time, over, what, 400 years between Malachi and Jesus' birth, that's six generations about. And you begin to realize that it's hard to keep hope alive in that time frame. In the 15th century, the writer St. John of the Cross wrote it this way. He called it the dark night of the soul. I like that picture. Maybe we can relate what it means to live in that long and dark night of our soul. You've maybe had a few real nights like that etched into your own memory, sitting alongside the bed of a sick family member. And you stay awake all night long and, and you're waiting for the fever to break and the sun to come back up again in the morning. It's a long night. Or maybe some of you, like myself, have had to walk guard duty around the perimeter of some long forsaken motor pool for no good reason and going through the what we call the bewitching hours of the night waiting for the sun to come up and you and you and you can't wait for the next moment of light to break through and it's like the psalmist said in psalm 130 my soul waits for the lord more i say more than watchmen wait for the morning light or Maybe the dark night of the soul has fallen on your spirit when your personal hope is challenged. And like the prophet Habakkuk, you cry, How long, O Lord? How long must I cry out to you and you do not listen? And the dark night of the soul leads us to this question, What, what if? Huh? What if it never ends? What if the promised relief never comes? What if the sun never rises again in the morning? Like Habakkuk, what if the son of righteousness never comes with healing in his wings? Oh, 100 years is a long time. And 400 years, four times that amount, a long time to keep hope alive. This hope that the Jewish people were trying to keep alive is also been referred to throughout the Old Testament as the day of the Lord. The day. Sometimes referred to as the great and terrible day of the Lord. That picture also points to a, a time when God is going to smash his fist through, the, through the, the veil of eternity and this earth and he's going to have with his outstretched arm and his mighty right hand, and he's going to bash his fist into all that's evil. He's going to destroy all that has been wrong and broken in our world. He's going to call every lie and every testimony of untruth into the count of justice. Sinners will be brought to trial and condemned for those who have not received his grace and God himself will restore all of those who have been made righteous because of Jesus and a personal relationship with him. And then he will come and rule the nations and the world. That's what the Jewish people believed and hoped for. 
these people who have been so long under the authorities of those who were bad rulers, starting back in Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, and now Rome, all of that was just a kind of dark oppression that they waited through, longing for the great day of the Lord. Break forth, O beauteous heavenly light, and usher in the morning. And all of this seems to fit, you see. The people walking in darkness would, in fact, see a great light. But wait. When, when did this ever happen? When has this powerful God shaken the earth and broken down all the rulers of evil and restored the righteous and, and justice in the world? When does that happen? fact is it hasn't happened it hasn't we still live in darkness we're still waiting for the light in that sense the people walking in darkness are still walking in the shadows of darkness to be sure because instead of God smashing his sovereign fist into the world and restoring all the evils that are made to me made right again, instead of his coming with a consuming fire, instead of all of that, he comes as a flickering candle. Hardly the kind of light that anyone would have expected. The only visible light that came into the darkness was that brilliant flash of light that came upon the shepherds when the angels announced that the baby child, Jesus, has been born, and then the light went out. And the only thing they had left as shepherds was the sign that God gave to them through the angels. And this will be the sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a feeding trough. What, what kind of message is that? Uh, a little baby, conceived and born to a, a woman who was going to be for the rest of her life destroyed because of all of the evil things that have been spoken against her and her son. A family that was living in such grinding poverty that they couldn't even rent a space to have a place to give birth to this child. A child whose birth was pretty much only acknowledged by a few simple shepherds keeping watch at night, night watchmen, the lowliest of all the shepherds. Couldn't have been much more than a breaking into our world with a tiny flicker of light. And look what Isaiah says in his prophecy about this child. He had no beauty, no majesty that would attract us to him. He was one who was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. There's been a lot of artists who have tried to display and paint the picture of Jesus' birth, the nativity scene. Most of them, in the mid-centuries especially, were painting a, a picture of Jesus with obvious signs of his divinity. 
There was this beam of light that came down from the heavens and and shone over the place where the baby Jesus was laying. And and there was emanating from the face of Mary and of Jesus this this kind of heavenly halo-ish glow. Now, unmistakably, this was the Son of God. But I, I I don't think that was the way it was. My favorite painter of the mid-centuries was the Dutch painter Rembrandt, who painted a picture of the nativity. And he painted it rather realistically with a very dark scene. And the only light in that that stable inn was was just a, a little candle that Joseph was holding. And the light kind of reflected off the faces of the shepherds and of Joseph and Mary and and off the face of Jesus as well. But there was, no, there was no visible sign of deity here. John writes, the true light that gives light to every man was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. But what is going on here the If God promised to send a light into the world that would shatter the darkness and dispel all the evil, shadows would be cast out. What happened to the promised great day of the Lord when God would finish his work, renew his creation? Ah, but but listen. If Jesus had come the first time as the great judge of heaven, if he would have come to destroy all evil, if he would have fixed all that was wrong in this world, neither you nor I would be left standing. For who can stand the day of his appearance? Jesus had come to crush all of the sin and brokenness. We too would be crushed. Malachi writes, who can endure the day? Who can stand when he appears? Because the evil is not just out there. The evil is in us. So understand this, this morning. The bitter good news of the gospel of Christmas is this. That before Jesus comes to crush evil, he comes to carry the evil in himself. Before he comes to pour out his wrath against all the injustice and all the sin of the world, he comes to bear that wrath in himself. Before he comes to destroy all sin and evil in the world, he takes that sin and evil upon himself so we can stand in the day of his coming. The fact is that Isaiah and Malachi's prophecies have not been fulfilled yet. Not yet. We're still waiting for that great and terrible day of the Lord that's promised to us already back in the Old Testament. The, Lord, the world is still a, a dark place. We know that all too well. The powers of evil are still operable around us. And on the face of things, things don't seem to be getting much better. We're still standing in nighttime. 
But make no mistake that we who are living in the 21st century are not living in Isaiah's time. We're we're living post-Isaiah. The light has come into the world. We're living on this side of this new beginning that God has made. And John was right when he said the light that has come into the world has given light to every man. And you see how this is written long into the story before we even recognized it. For us, it's not the deep darkness. It's not the fear that we must shudder away from, but the realization that there is something more. And then we discover it. Revelation 22, verse 16, that we just read a while ago. Jesus identifies himself as the bright and morning star. Hmm. You understand what Jesus is saying here when he's pointing to himself as the morning star. If you've ever been awake in the nighttime, if you've ever had to be that night watchman, or you've waited alongside of your sick loved one waiting for the morning light, If you looked out to the east, before sunup, you will discover what is referred to as the morning star. It's actually the planet Venus. But throughout history, it's always been the morning star. And the morning star appears before the sunrise. And everybody who has been on the night watch Every shepherd in the Old and the New Testament who has waited in the long night of the soul longs to see, first of all, the morning star, the bright and morning star, because they know that as surely as that morning star has appeared, the sun will come to follow. And so Jesus himself says, I am that morning star. I have come already to show you that I am coming again as the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. And now we know. We know the day is coming because the morning star has already appeared for us, you see. This is is great revelation for us. If Jesus had not already come, How would we know that the final prophecies and promises are going to be fulfilled in his coming again? But because he has come, we know that even though things might appear to be going the wrong way morally in our world, and people are selling out to addictions and all kinds of evils, avoiding the disappointments of life, And we feel anxious about the future of our own lives, our nation, our relations. We're uneasy because we're afraid that people are losing heart and giving up hope. And we begin to believe that maybe Satan's grip is not being loosened at all. And yet, and yet, the morning star, the day star has appeared. Luke 18 tells us of the parable of the persistent widow. This is one of the few parables that Jesus tells, which he already gives us the interpretation 
of the parable. He explains it in verse 1 of uh, Luke 18. It says, Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So he tells the story of this widow who, because of an injustice, is persistently knocking and knocking and knocking at the king's gate, trying to get an audience with him, until finally the king says, I give up, I give up. Let her in, I'll listen to her. And Jesus summarizes the teaching of that parable, saying, you know, you must never give up on your hope. Never give up persistently praying. And then at the end of the summary teaching, Jesus says, Will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, we will, they will see that they get justice. And then, then, then these truly haunting words in my spirit. However, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? The danger is, you see, that we lose focus and stop paying attention to the importance of the day star having come. We stare into the darkness and give up hope. And Jesus is concerned for us that we should understand that the Son of Righteousness has already been promised and verified because the day star, not the sun yet, but the day star has already come in Jesus. So we live in that hope. Why do we share our abundance, our excess, and our overages as resources for the kingdom cause? Why, why do we give even sacrificially for the cause of his kingdom? And why bother to pray and work for justice any longer in our world? And why should we spend our time with a few Christians worshiping and serving each other in the church when no one else seems to care? Why do we put our hopes in something else like the economy or politics? Why bother trying to live the Christian life at all? Let's just live for today. We might claim to have hope, but then how shall we then live? That's why Paul warns us in Romans 13, verse 12, listen, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because the salvation you long for is nearer than at first we believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So let me conclude by asking this simple question. What do you believe about the Christmas story? Do you believe that the day star has appeared? And if so, does it make a difference in our lives? The promise has been fulfilled Partly. And because it has partly been fulfilled, the guarantee of the future is also even strongly, more strongly guaranteed. Because Jesus has come into our sin-darkened world, we have hope. And he has come to defeat the powers of darkness 
And as Paul says, the day is almost here. The day. Trace that sometime in your Bible study through the scriptures. Just those two simple words. The day. And you will discover that there is a thread that goes from beginning to end. And it ends up with Jesus saying, I am the day star. And I will come as the day, the son of righteousness. So we live as children of light and not of darkness. We live in hope, even though the day is not here, it's coming soon. What are we? 2,100 years plus, still waiting for the sun to come. But he promised, and he came the first time to give us that guarantee of the promise. And so we live and die in hope. Daylight will come. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we have listened again to the story of your coming this year. We have lit the candles and turned on lights of celebration of the event. But now when Christmas is over, we seem to settle back into the gloom and the darkness, forgetting the fact that you, Jesus, are not only the light that has come, you are the light that will come in full glory and power. And we know that it is only those who have waited in eager expectation for your coming who do not need to fear the day of your return, the day of your judgment. And because we have received your forgiving grace, the grace that you have earned for us and paid in full at your first coming, we can say again, Maranatha, come, come Lord Jesus, come quickly.